Hi, and welcome to Under an Open Heaven Podcast. We are glad you are joining us as we explore the reality of God's love expressed in Scripture and our own personal experiences. Thanks for joining us today as we explore the reality that we live under an open heaven. Enjoy! back to the podcast. My name is Arthur Richardson and I have with me Colton Jones as always. We're glad to have you back and we are on episode two of season eight which is on the mass which is pretty fun. Yeah we are actually in the flesh this time. We are we in are, person. Which is nice. Yes. That is very nice. Yeah hopefully we don't have any technical difficulties. Uh, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be fantastic. So last week we talked about the flow of the spiritual life, starting with baptism and entering into the, the sacrament within the Mass, so the, the Holy Mysteries. We talked about and throughout the phrase, source and summit of our faith. And today we're going to actually dive into the first part of the Mass. So before we begin, I want to read this passage from the UCAT, or the Youth Catechism. It's 170. The most profound origin of the liturgy is God, in whom there is an eternal heavenly banquet of love the joy of the father the son and the holy spirit because god is love he would like to let us participate in the feast of his joy and grant us his blessings so i think that's the place that we need to start with the, today's episode because we start with a procession in mass and there's a reason why we start with a procession right so we are leaving behind the world and entering into divine reality, but also we are entering into the, the memory of the passion. So each mass is not its own unique new sacrifice, but a re-entering into the passion of Jesus Christ. And so when we start the mass with the procession of the priest, the priest is embodying Persona Christi, the priest, and we are reliving the memory of of Jesus entering to Jerusalem. Can we hone in on that phrase a little bit? Yeah. The in persona Christi. Yeah. So that's the, that's Latin for the, in, for in person of Christ. So that means it's like a stand in, like a physical stand in. So the passage that I read from the youth catechism says that the liturgy is all about God. It is God who is actually running this liturgy, right? So as much as the priest is kind of, the physical presence of that. And that's what in person of Christ means standing in a physical representation of, of Jesus doing this thing. So in a very interesting mystical way, the priest takes on the personhood of Jesus. Hmm. So is that, does that mean that they're taking on the personhood of Jesus in and of themselves? Every single second, or is it just in a specific context? So it is in the context of uh, a liturgy or a sacrament. If a priest is out and about in the grocery store, they are in the same level or the same degree of in the person of Jesus as you or I would be. So in the secular world or in normal day-to-day -day life, we all share the, the responsibility to be the face of Jesus Christ, to be... Uh, a peacemaker, you know, to be God's child. Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are peacemakers for they will be called children of God. That's kind of one of the aspects that we are to be Christ mm -hmm. in the person of Christ in the, in the world. We'll get there eventually. 
but since this whole season is centered on the mass. Mass is a word that is derived from the Latin word missio, which means to be sent. So everything that we're doing in the mass is to prepare us to be sent back into the world. Mm-hmm. So we're processing out of the world into heaven in a tangible experience, but also we're entering into the memory, the living memory of Jesus' sacrifice with us present to that. Mm-hmm. What is the structure of this procession? Because we experience it as they're walking down the aisle. Yes. But in what way? Do you mean like the order of people? Uh-huh. Okay. So the order of people usually goes, if there's a lector, the lector carrying the word of God, the servers, deacon, priest, bishop, pope, if all are present. <laughs> so if you think of it in regards of like people acting in the service of Jesus in greater degrees, <laughs> right? So the person who's reading the word is giving voice to Jesus's word. So they're going to be in that processional because they are a part of this experience of Jesus walking down between the pews and hopefully into our hearts. Mm-hmm. And then it's the servers who are ministering at the altar, ministering to Christ's heart. And then it's the, the deacons also taking a greater degree of that service. And then the priests and then if present bishop and then Pope. Mm-hmm. So if you kind of think of it, in the sacrament, having greater authority of of who Jesus's priesthood is. Yeah, and in a sense, when Christ said, "Like the the first shall be last, the last shall be first, it's almost like the one of highest authority comes last. Yes, in this procession before the altar of God, not just signifying maybe their place of being in the person of Christ, serving the the Church of Christ. But also in creation, us men, we came last well, in all of creation. Women came technically, last. women came last. But <laughs> as as like a species, as yes. a, as an occurrence, yeah, mankind came last in the procession of creation. So yes. not only are they are, is the priest standing in the person of Christ who is God, but a, in the person of Christ who is man. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I li- I like the this the symbolism that's sort of built into that. Right. And it's beautiful because this is just like, I think this is like the the part of the mass that most of us don't pay much attention to. Mm -hmm. But something that I really appreciate at Holy Redeemer, our parish, Gabby and my parish, is that we start off by asking the Holy Spirit to come in an intentional way. Yeah, the whole parish, not just us individually. Yes, the whole parish, which is really beautiful. I think it helps each of us start that procession to greater degrees, obviously, of our spiritual capabilities. But, you know, I think it helps. Like, you can you can feel a shift in the worship, mm-hmm. right? And honestly, my goal with this season is to start to see and increase whatever fruits there are of the community worshiping as a whole, not just sitting there receiving. Yeah, yeah. Right, so that that's kind of... That's actually something that I'm, I'm hoping a fruit will come from this, this season. Yeah. So once the, the processional group gets to the altar, the priest deacon, well, the deacon and anybody after anybody after the deacon. So deacon, priest, bishop, Pope is going to kiss the altar. 
This is a reverencing of the symbol of Christ's heart. And we'll talk more about this in a later episode. I, I feel like uh, there's more to be said, but we're just focusing more in on, on the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So more, more to come. And then the priest takes his place. And then we we finish whatever entrance, antiphon, song, whatever it is. And we begin with it with the priest giving us a greeting, usually intertwined with some scripture, right? So there's that. But then after the greeting, after we have been greeted into the house of God, we begin the penitential act, right? So this is done usually in one of two ways. Either we sing Kyrie eleison or Lord have mercy, or we say the penitential act. So we're going to go through the penitential act and kind of just really break that open a bit. I confess to you, O God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned. I think this is an attempt to live out Jesus' command to to us in Scripture with what St. Paul said of confessing our sins to one another, that we might be washed clean of our sins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also part of something that we mentioned last week. Yeah. Like, we talked about rejecting the lies. Yes. Part of that, too, like in Scripture, yeah, Jesus says, like, if you and your brother have a dispute among you, you've got to settle that before coming, you know, forward with your sacrifice. Yes. And that's that's sort of, this is signaling that. Absolutely. Leading you in prayer in that sort of same way. And it's the same thing with, like, lies that you believe. Mm -hmm. They prevent you from entering into relationship with God. Same thing with, you know, if you're in wrong relationship with people around you yep absolutely absolutely this this calls to mind in my opinion also the parable the wicked servant right Mm -hmm. where we can't cry out for god's mercy and then have this sense of self-righteousness against our brothers or sisters yeah there is a accountability that we have to have even if we consider our sin to be personal you know, there's an accountability that we have to have. I was slouching pretty bad. So my sin not, might not be per se mortal, but or grave for that matter, like like a big major bad sin. However, if you've got you know a close friend or a spouse or you know any type of tight knit friendship, I want you to take a quick examine of how that looks in general. A healthy relationship is is one that you're willing to say you're sorry, even for like the little things, you know, especially when it comes to a spouse, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes it's the little things that you need to apologize the the quickest for, right? And why is that? Because emotionally things can build up, you know, spiritually, same as the case with us and God, where things can just build up and we just need that, that time to come to him and say, listen, God, I am sorry. And have that moment where we can change and become more like him. So the next section, it says in my thoughts and in my words, we can sin. So sinning isn't just about action, what you've done Mm -hmm. wrong, but it's also about your own patterns of thought too. And your words, because of course, where do actions come from? They originate in your thoughts and your words are often expressions of your thoughts when we're elaborating on what we're sorry for, we make sure to elaborate not just our actions, but our thoughts and our words. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and those, yes, you know, 
sins of thought, those are often not looked at or considered as serious mm-hmm. by, I would say, majority of people, but that's ultimately where the serious sin comes from. Yes. Sins of thought. You allow yourself to think a specific way because, well, I'm not affecting other people. This isn't hurting anybody. Yep. No, that's not the case. I mean, it isn't apparent readily how your thoughts and maybe the way you allow yourself to think is hurting other people. But, of course, it breeds actions Mm -hmm. that will be evident that it hurts people. So that's where it all starts. Yeah, for sure. Jesus says, from the heart comes murder, adultery, and malice. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's a certain sense here that, like, from the heart breeds thoughts. And the thoughts breed words, the words breed actions. That's right. right. Yeah. So we're we're taking a moment to ask for forgiveness in those first steps where we might have even started to go down the path of sin. Yeah. So the next section is in what I have done and what I have failed to do. This is very interesting because like I, th- I find that we kind of like what you were saying, we focus a lot on what we've done. Maybe not on what we haven't done, you know. I think that for me, I I have a tendency to sometimes avoid eye contact with a person that I don't really, I might be kind of like I got a grudge against or I'm kind of grumpy with or I know I don't have the money or the resources to give somebody on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whenever I think about that and what I have failed to do, it's like, Evil or badness or sin isn't just an action that is positively done, but by definition, it is the absence of good. Like some might often say, like, especially in times when bravery is needed, someone who sees what needs to be done and doesn't do it, that is like evil. That That is like a sin because yeah. they, they lack the virtue necessary in order to do the good. And virtue, of course, is conditioned by habit and habit by thought. And so you have to form. Anyway, I think we've talked about virtue many of times yes. on, on the podcast. But yeah, this is where we kind of discuss sins of omission, where mm-hmm. we saw the good that needed to be done or a situation that called for the level of virtue that we were capable of giving. Yeah. And we chose not to give it. Now, Yeah. That, that's when our conscience sort of pricks us, saying, like, you could act. You can actually do something great here, mm-hmm. and you choose not to anyway, either out of fear or maybe some lie that you're believing. Like, for instance, sometimes you might pass someone on the, who's sitting by the side of the road with a sign asking for money and stuff like that. And whether it's a common excuse or a common just, just a common thing, people often say, like, oh, you know, they're just going to use whatever money I give them to buy more drugs sort of a thing or you know to maybe perpetuate a lifestyle of addiction and sin but although you know this person might be struggling with addiction using a hypothetical situation as an excuse to avoid a very real act of charity and need and need yeah you know responding to another's need so the fact is it's not your job to answer for another person's situation, their sin, the things that they've done. If you assess the situation critically and say like, okay, you know, this person might actually be in need. Consider the 
that as an opportunity for charity to do something good. Yeah, because yeah, that, that's that's one of the things that we that I know I encounter. You know, where I live, there's plenty of people on the side of the road, and sometimes I look at them and I realize like I really shouldn't harden my heart towards people. Yeah, like this, and yeah. And I should probably carry cash for that that point, or at least so- something to help them. I know I have a friend who has like bags, yeah, that has like bus passes in them. They have you know, food, various kinds like healthy food, and especially in the winter, I think he, he might put hand warmers in there too. Oh, that's a good uh, in idea. the winter and like hands them to them. We do deodorant, um, toothbrushes, and toothpaste. And yeah, socks. Yeah, and like hydration stuff. So, I mean, if you're uncomfortable with just straight up giving a person a blank the blank check of you know what you might have in your wallet there's ways around that yeah there's there's i mean really seriously consider maybe what this person might need and see what you can do to meet those needs in charity so next the phrase and i ask the blessed mary ever virgin and all of the angels and saints last week we talked about maybe i think we briefly touched on while we were talking about reverence the entering or the being taken up into sort of the greater church because the people at the mass who you see around you are not the only people at the mass you have the you're surrounded by the angels and the saints because we're not partaking in a particular mass 9 30 a.m on a sunday in september whatever yep of whatever year it's we're, we're, we're taking part in a mass that extends throughout time as as an event Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection in the Eucharist were miraculously, they're, they're outside of time and space. So whenever we ask for the Blessed Mary's intercession, we're not just asking it in a, in a very, you know, pious way or maybe in a, in a way that distant you would, way. a distant way or just, like how you would ask someone to send good vibes or, or you know, keep yeah. me in your thoughts sort of a thing. No, a very real way. The Blessed Mother is present with us mm-hmm. in the midst of Mass. So we are turning to the Blessed Mother next to us like we did our brothers and sisters who are standing next to us in the Mass and all of the angels and the saints. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we, we don't just implore help from each other physically there, but also those saints who have passed on in those saints who are eternally in heaven, the angels. Yeah, well said. And kind of off of that, we then ask, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. I don't know. Have you ever actually done that? Where Ask for people to pray for me? Uh, no. Like after you asked, like during this prayer, like started praying for the whole congregation. Like I've done that a few times. Yeah. Or, it, or it reminds me of someone like I need to pray for. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it changes things, man. Mm-hmm. I got to say, for me, even the people that are not there, like the people that I might struggle with or have different opposing ideologies of anger or whatever, I'm not going to lie. It it really does help me re- let go of those things, you know? Yeah. I know what you mean. And for me... The church I go to in Lansing has a lot of families who have young kids. Like, and these families are often having like a number of kids, and they're having to wrangle them, and keep them in the pews, yep. and all the stuff. And so these parents, like, 
they don't go to the mass for themselves at this point. It's just like, no, they're, they're, they're going to the mass so that their family can be all, you know, together in this, this, this holy prayer. And they're just trying to hold everybody together. And it's beautiful to see, but at the same time, you're, you're just like, whenever I pray this part of the penitential, right? It makes me think, makes me think about them, you know, like the parents, like, God, please give them like miraculous grace to experience you in a particular way in this mass in the midst of maybe the, the bounty of distractions that they're going to be met with. Either a kid is just going to start crying mm-hmm. uh, or it is, is banging a toy on the pew or something like that. And they're going to have to tend to that and help them behave. I don't know. It just reminds me like these, these are very real people in front of me who I'm also praying for. So that's, that's often where my mind goes as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. At the end of the day, regardless, during this time, I think it's really important to actually be intentional to really be bringing to mind what we need forgiveness for and bringing that to God. Whether it be through singing the Kyrie, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. That's what that means. It's actually Greek. There's a lot of people who think that's Latin, but it's actually Greek. Actually, one of the, after Aramaic and Hebrew, the first cultures to adopt Christianity was actually Greece, not Rome. An interesting concept. So after we have, you know, asking for forgiveness, it's time to receive that forgiveness and give glory to God for that. And that's that movement of renouncing the lies, you yes. know, and entering into praise after that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So just to kind of walk through the glory, the Gloria. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you. We bless you. We adore you. We glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory, Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father. So let's kind of break that open a little bit. So this is some a bit of scripture from the angels proclaiming proclaiming good news to the, to the shepherds in, in Luke 2, where mm-hmm. you know Jesus is born, and angels are saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to people of goodwill. So that's where that scripture is being taken from. But I kind of want to break that open because I think that's really important. Peace to people of goodwill. What does it mean to have goodwill, right? Honestly, a goodwill means having a will like God, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think we actually think about it deep enough most of the time. Like, what is what is my will like how how can I make my will good? How can I make what I want, what I desire, what I what I crave good? You know, it it's it's ironic, right? Because like this prayer is asking for peace for those who have goodwill, but having goodwill is a peaceful experience. Not in my experience, Arthur. Uh, it really interesting. Okay. Well, think about it. I don't know if it's Aquinas definition or just Bishop Barron's use of the word love. Like, how do we understand love? Love is willing the good of another for their sake. In my, uh, that, that's sort of the connection my brain made to having goodwill mm-hmm. is in, in everything, willing the good of the other for their sake. 
I mean, just in, just in my experience, that's a very painful thing to do consistently. It doesn't It tempts you, I would say, especially if their goodwill or your will and their will are in opposition. I can't speak from any experience regarding, regarding like marriage, but I imagine if you're sort of at an impasse or at a difficult decision, you might say, okay, I really love this person and it's going to suck to not get my way. But for their good, for for love of them, I'm going to let maybe what I want to take a back seat. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up mm-hmm. because I think there is a shift that happened in my mindset a little while ago where I went from still thinking of like, well, I want what's good for her or whatever to desiring what's best for us. Mm-hmm. So having a maturing of, of perspective, I guess, is the, the only way that I can actually... It's the only way that I can think of to actually describe it. But having more of a co-creative mindset with God, I think is, is the key to going from suffering because my will is opposing God to unifying my will with God, right? And learning when my will is off or mm. learning when I might have heard the voice of the Lord wrong, right? Mm. I think this kind of going forward, we praise you, we glorify you, we adore you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Kind of going back to all of that, to God's will, mm-hmm. right? If we are truly giving him adoration and praise for who he is, there's a freedom that can take place in us that we trust in his providence. And I've, my wife and I have been experiencing a lot of disappointment and suffering this past year past two years three years whatever honestly since we've been married we have been dealing with a lot of joy of being together and everything else like that but honestly life has kind of hit us hard right but yet there's something that's been happening within the refining of of god's love in in those hardships Mm -hmm. yeah where I can better understand that what I want isn't necessarily what God wants. Mm-hmm. God might want the good thing that I want, but he has a bigger picture than what I do. And I think that's what we're trying to get at is we're giving glory to God for having the full picture, for having the ability to give us peace with his goodwill mm. and having that goodwill. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's ultimately what I was going at. It was like, the, the times when I actually attain or feel like I attain the heart of God uh, and maybe maybe share part in his will for my life, well, that's only when peace comes, you know. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, peace peace follows in the, in the path of the perfection of will. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, the next part of this Gloria here, it says, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. So this is specifically now addressing Christ, whereas before, the first part was addressing God the Father. Mm -hmm. Um, And Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father. So 
it's driving home the relationship of Christ with God the Father. Yep. Repeating, yeah, only begotten Son and then Son of the Father. Yeah, we enter into, again, mm-hmm. a point of asking for mercy. Asking for not just not just mercy in the sense of I'm a wicked person, Lord have mercy on me, but Lord have mercy on my experience, right? Have mercy on my life that I can better experience what it's like to be in union with you in relationship with God, my father, as you are his only begotten son, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course now it's recognizing where Christ is in relationship to the father because the exposure to God, the father, I would say is probably what the Jews are most familiar with. Yeah. Since they, they didn't have a, uh, a Trinitarian perspective of God. In a sense, the the Gloria acts as a sort of formula for understanding now God isn't just a singular person, but several persons. So you establish that Christ, now the Son of God, the only Son of God, the Father, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, meaning he has authority. He has the, the authority of the Father mm-hmm. in has the ability to give that mercy. So lastly, the last paragraph or stanza for you alone are the Holy one. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the most high Jesus Christ with the Holy spirit in the glory of God, the father. Amen. Well, this one is a bit straightforward. We're just giving glory and naming who he is in relationship with us relationship with God. Yeah, I think that's all I have to say on that. Yeah, I feel bad that the Holy Spirit only gets one line. <laughs> it, says, it says, you will learn of the Most High Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Yeah, that's that's the case like literally everywhere. It's so hard to actually talk about the Holy Spirit well. Yeah. Right. And I think out of fear of that, we have avoided it, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So... To wrap it up, we've got the collect. So this is the end of the the beginning of introductory rites. Mm-hmm. And Colton, you had mentioned this last week when we were talking about this. Would you mind kind of giving us what the USCCB ha- has to say about this? Yeah. So as a direct quote from the USCCB, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it says the introductory rites conclude with an opening prayer called the collect. The celebrant invites the gathered assembly to pray and, after a brief silence, proclaims the prayer of the day. The collect gathers the prayers of all in, into one and disposes all to hear the word of God in the context of the celebration. So this is, yeah, this is saying like, okay, we're done with the introduction. Now we're going to enter into what's called the liturgy of the word, which is like yes. the next part of the mass. And this is doing what it sounds like it's doing. It's collecting all of the intentions all of the prayers and then saying this is this is what is offered in this yep. mass of course the prayer of the day it depends it does change day to day based on mm-hmm. maybe if it's a feast day or each sunday has its own prayer specific for it we have a bunch of saints and that we celebrate throughout the church and they might have their own prayer added to it mm-hmm. in the in the collect and other parts of the mass as well so that's basically how the introduction of the mass ends mm-hmm. and it slides right into the liturgy of the word. So my challenge for you is for this weekend, 
at Mass or during whatever worship you are at, really try to enter into the little things, right? Try to call upon the Holy Spirit to see to see how he wants to move and how he wants to speak to you in the little things, right? Even if it's just as simple as a procession, right? As simple as some, somebody walking down the aisle. Even something so mundane, God can speak to us. God can work in our hearts and do amazing things. So that's my challenge for you for this week. Yeah. All right. Let's end in prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you so much for the gift that we have and the prayers that you've given us in the Mass. Um, I ask that you pour out your blessing upon our audience that does attend Mass and our audience that uh, maybe attends other religious services, that you pour out the spirit of, of joy, of awe at you. Because that's, that's the seat, that's the that's sort of the, the starting point of, of reverence. It comes from that place of awe, the recognition, O oh Lord, of who you are to us. Um, help us consider all the things that we've just discussed today, from uh, how seeking out forgiveness for our sins and coming into right relationship with those around us can actually guide us to right worship in relationship to you. Lord, let that settle into our hearts and make its home there. And Lord, prepare us as we come to know more about the prayer that you've given us in the Mass. We ask this in your most holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. Take care and God bless. Bye. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. We hope that this podcast blessed you. And we ask that if it did, share that with the people that you love so that it can bless them as well. If you want to reach out to us, we are available on Facebook. We are under an open heaven. Our email address is under an open heaven dot fire at gmail.com. And we are on Instagram at under an open heaven dot fire. So Please go uh, give those a gander and send us any any feedback that you want. We would be happy to reply to you. God bless. Bye.